0: You are listening to the Gay Florida Man Podcast. This podcast is hosted by retired corrections officer, Mark DeWolf, who will discuss various topics prevalent to corrections, gay culture, arts and entertainment, as well as current events. Listeners need to be advised that this podcast will discuss situations involving extreme violence, substance abuse, sexual assault, and murder. Details of actual events have been modified so as to protect the privacy of involved parties.
1: Welcome back to the gay Florida man podcast. This is season two, episode three. Today is kind of a very special time for me because a friend of mine had found a way to contact me and I have not talked to this person for a long time and I go to my mailbox. I open up the mailbox and there's this letter in there and it's it's from Dave and I saw the last name and I'm like, wait a minute. Is this really real? And I open it up and it's Dave who I have not seen for over 20 years. He tracked me down in Florida and my connection to Dave is we actually met each other on a movie set working as background actors in the late 1990s early 2000s and we had kind of a unique experience we both worked full-time jobs and we both had this interest in films and it's kind of like how i got into learn about the movie industry as i started on probably the lowest level and that is to be a background actor you know a, an extra on film. And that's where I met Dave. And I said to Dave, once we were talking on the phone, we should do an episode talking about extra work because it is pretty interesting. If you have not seen the documentary strictly background, it's really a good insight into what it's like to be a background actor, background talent, just background on films, television, etc. So I highly suggest if you can find it, it's really kind of fun. And there are a lot of characters that want to be in film. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. And I hope you enjoy it. Um, If you do not already follow us on social media, please check us out. We are now on TikTok. So we're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So we have lots of more material that's coming out. It's becoming more difficult to do this podcast because we are so active now in different forms of video and doing sketches and reels and such on social media. And we're getting a lot more followers in those different social media platforms. So please check it out. But for right now, let's talk with Dave about background actors working in film as an extra. So coming on the podcast is somebody that's got a taste for the movie industry and enjoyed extra work, or at least we really enjoyed it together. And this would be <laughs> my my good friend, Dave. How are you, Dave? Mark, <laughs> I'm good. I couldn't be better. That's awesome. That's a You're always a very optimist, uh, a very cheerful person ever since I've known you. And we've known each other for probably, what, 23 years now we've lost touch for 20 years that's true i think
0: 2001 was the last time we did a movie together i sat with your dogs just after that yeah we haven't seen each other since then i saw you at a bowling
1: alley one night i remember and that was high high and by that's crazy known each other for that long unfortunately that's what happens with life i'll have friends and then you know life takes off and you go in a different direction for a while and then you reconnect and it seems like i always pick up where i had just left off with so many people now tell me how you found me because i get this letter in the mail like a month ago yeah Yeah. and i saw the name and i'm like i'm like wait a minute this is this really dave (laughs) and um and I open it up and, it, you know, it's Dave and I'm like, holy shit. How did you end up finding me? The only time I ever, out of all the movies I've been in
0: and there, you know, there was only a handful of them, eight or 10 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one I see consistently is the luck of the Irish. That's, that's a yearly thing. Every March you can count on the luck of the Irish <laughs> coming on. Right. And, and I always thought about you when I was watching the show and there's a particular scene in there where you got a close-up. Yeah. My big they fat a, face. A, yeah. <laughs> and, and I keep threatening, man, I wonder what he's doing. I wonder what he's doing. Well, the, the last time I seen this February, I guess it was, it was on kind of early for St. Patrick's day. Uh-huh. Um, I decided, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to try and track him down see what he's doing. So got on the internet, you'd be surprised how much information you can get on
1: people on the internet. Wow. So So, was it, was it my only fans that you found? (laughs) 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 You're that one follower, aren't you?
0: (laughs) No, no. I uh, narrowed it down to Florida Mm -hmm. and then and saw an article you did a program on a tv show you know um, your,
1: um, a morning show is that uh with your the, house yeah with, with your the house collection. And, yeah
0: yeah the collection and and i knew that was you so it was a it was a matter of narrowing it down to two addresses okay i don't know have you lived at two different addresses I
1: have, yeah. So the other one got a letter, too. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay, okay. Well, I mean, I I don't know if they remember me at the homeless shelter. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, I decided to connect with you. I wrote you the letter,
0: jotted down a few things to see if you'd remember in case the name didn't ring a bell or anything. And
1: Are you kidding?
0: uh, And thank God you wrote me back.
1: Oh, as soon as I saw the envelope, I knew exactly. I mean... You know, I mean, I realize I'm old, but I'm not that old. <laughs> you know, I totally remember, like, as soon as I saw your name, I just was like, oh, I really hope this is real. But, <laughs> but it was it was actually handwritten. So it wasn't like a generic envelope. I mean, so I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. So it was exciting yeah. to reconnect. <laughs> yeah. And so the reason that we had originally met each other is we both had a mutual interest of the mm-hmm. film business. Uh, yes, sir. And so, um, as we have reconnected and we started talking and I'm like, you know, we had so many different stories about getting into the film industry as extras, Mm -hmm. and it would be fun to do an episode just about doing extra work. Just the other day, you had, uh, watched this documentary called strictly background. And I love documentaries. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about people that have this passion. And we had that passion at one time, but I yeah. think according in it, I rewatched the, the Strictly background documentary. And I think that we kind of fall into that category, the people that do it basically for like a year or less or a couple of years. And then they're like, this isn't worth it.
0: Yeah. It it said on there, like 90% of the people drop out after a year It mm-hmm. didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that documentary is right on. It was fun. I huh? mean. The characters I met, characters <laughs> like that. You know, I was one of those characters.
1: <laughs> no, you weren't, though. You weren't, though. I mean, because <laughs> the thing is, is that, like, seriously, Dave, you had a career and you have skill sets and, you know, you did the extra work when it was viable and it was a fun hobby to do. You yeah. never, you never got into it saying, I'm going to be the next Tom Cruise. Did you? Yeah, but it crossed my mind after
0: the first. <laughs> I mean, I think it happens to everybody. You know, you, yeah. you do a show and then you think, well, I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to do some more extra work. Then I'm going to get a commercial. I'm going to take some classes. I'm going to get a commercial and then I'm going to try out for movies. And, you know, I never had uh, dreams uh, aspiring to be as big as Tom Cruise, but maybe being a working actor. Well, you got to pay the bills.
1: Yeah, (laughs) so so, that's true. That's true. But there was the one guy. Not
0: something you can go five years out
1: and don't want to end up like that guy that ended up moving in that storage unit for a month or two. Rewatching it last night, there was the one guy that was really motivated. At one point when he wasn't progressing in the industry like he'd hoped, he became suicidal. Yeah, that was Tabar was his name. What was his name? Tafan. Tafan, yeah. I felt bad for him. Because he really thought that it was going to lead to, you know, again, him becoming like a major actor, but he became suicidal at one point and walked away from the whole industry. And that was really sad to me. I mean, that, that somebody wants fame so bad that when they don't achieve it to the level that they think is success that they actually were suicidal. But then you had the one young lady that was in like, I think she was like in Stripes and she was in Carrie and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And she was really grounded and she just wanted to have fun. And that's the personality, I think, that you're going to be very satisfied with being an extra. If you just go into it and just realize it's extra work, it's just kind of fun to say I've done movies. Yeah,
0: and it, it was fun. We had so much fun on those sets. So, <laughs> yeah, you had to make light of them, right? You're there for 10 or 12 hours a day. Sometimes you, well, okay, <laughs> you so had
1: to amuse do, yourself. <laughs> so from what I remember, it was like, you got to be, you got to expect to be there for 12 hours. And at the time it was $72 and 50 cents for 12 hours. I Well, I don't remember what the, the money was,
0: but you're right about the 12 hours. Expect to be there for 12 hours. So if you got off early, then, you know, that was a plus.
1: We had an agent. He was a very (laughs) colorful individual. I've never met anybody with purple eyes before. hes (laughs) I don't know why you're laughing, because you know that's what he said. Uh, Yeah, and he swore up and down. That was his original eyes, original colored eyes. I believe he was Latino in uh, his background, and he had Mm -hmm. purple eyeballs. And, you know, if you raised out, he was adamant, like you said. This is my natural eye color. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. he was a character. I we love talking about him, but he was the one who's like Dave. I'm going to make you a movie job. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, that's I, when I first met him. Yes, when, when he first offered me a job.
1: Now he approached you because he yeah. saw you as being maybe Salt Lake's next best thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was the motivation, but that's what—that's <laughs> how it started. <laughs> so he started. he sees you at, at some location and he approaches you. Please enlighten us to the story for the listeners that haven't heard. Yeah, Martin, yeah. I was out in Wendover.
0: I believe it was Sunday. I, I used to go out there on Sundays and, and bet on football and everything. And I was standing by the sportsbook area watching the games on TV. And there's machines by me. And I heard somebody from one of the machines say, you have a marvelous look. And I looked down and it was our friend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and I look around. He's talking to me. And he says, have you ever done movies? (laughs) 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 And I thought, wow. I says, no, I've never done any movies. And he's, well, you have got a unique look. I would love to cast you in a movie that I'm a part of right now. And he gave me his card, told me his name, said he'd, he'd like to use me as a police officer in this particular movie. It was Absence of the Good, the Stephen Baldwin flick. Um, he told me, he laid down the ground rules to me, he told me, you know, if you want to come out, I'll pay you this much money. If you don't like it, go home. If you like it, I'll deduct the money from your first check and I'll keep you working.
1: When you first met him, did it ever like cross your mind that it's going to be like, Look, this is a movie for two. I need you to be at my <laughs> office at two in the morning. Here's yeah. your police uniform. Uh, these are assless chaps. That's okay.
0: <laughs> it, it, that didn't run through my head until oh, that's I was actually good. driving to the set, okay? Because the place I was supposed to be, it was going to be Tuesday morning. I was supposed to be in Memory Growth up behind the Capitol in Utah there, Salt Lake. I was driving up there at 3.30 in the morning, and it's a little foggy outside. Stuff started running through my head. (laughs) I started thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I driving right into this trap? Mm -hmm. So it made me a little nervous then. And then, of course, I saw the the trailers, the movie trailers, and the production stuff, and I was a little more at ease. Mm
1: -hmm. It was a different way. It wasn't like I was looking for it at the time. It just kind of fell in your lap. Yeah, yeah. Unlike your story, mine's a little different in the fact that I went looking for this this monster, this beast. And Uh -uh. I had my idea. You know, my brother had been an extra out in L.A. He had gone out to L.A. to be an actor, my oldest brother, Mont. And so, you know, I have always been fascinated by movies and film. And so I wanted to give it a shot myself. And so mm-hmm. I went looking for it, and I don't remember the first person I had contact with, but I knew that, like, you know, talking with an agent, and I think it was Elizabeth, was one of the first people that I had talked with. And she's like, you know, you got to get your resume beefed up. So start by doing extra work. So d- w- did you find it in the paper or somebody tell you about
0: it? How did you get not know Broadway talent? I do know Broadway I don't... talent, right?
1: It was, yeah. I do not remember the process it's been so long but I knew that before I'm actually going to go audition for parts I need to get some type of experience I need to have something to put together on a resume and I'm pretty sure it was Elizabeth that said we'll do extra work so you have something on there besides yeah. you know your height your weight your eye color your you know your headshot and your your resume so I did extra work for a little while with the whole idea that I just want to put something so I They know that I've been on a set when I go into audition. Did she recommend you to take some classes so you
0: could add that to your resume or anything like that?
1: I don't remember the the term classes. Somewhere along the lines, I I heard that if you want to get into acting, you got to be careful because there's a million scams. Even in a smaller Mm -hmm. venue like Salt Lake City, there's a million scams and all these different places are saying, oh, you need to take classes and this person's really good and this person's really good and this person... Then I heard, if you can take some workshops from actual casting directors, yeah, that's how you get your foot in the door. It's a, you know, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And once I actually progressed out of extra work into acting, I had taken a workshop, a four-hour workshop from Kate Pergastus. And within mm-hmm. 30 days, I was on Touch by an Angel with a speaking role. Well, we did a workshop together. Was it Kate that was the casting no. director? Okay. No, no, it was Katrine, I think. And that's who you want to go to is either Katrine or Kate or Jeff Johnson in that particular venue. But exactly. You know, you just have to be careful if anybody that wants to get into this. And watching that thing about the extras, and they have to pay a certain fee to Central Casting, which when they made that film, I guess that was like the big casting extra company in LA. And I'm like, God, when, what a scam. T- Touched by an angel, you mean? In that documentary, they kept referring to central oh, casting. yeah. And that, that's where they would get their work or they would call in to see what's available in Los Angeles. Yeah. But, you know, again, starting out in a small pond, I think, is a lot better than trying to move to L.A. or New York and break into the business. I think it's like playing the lottery. Oh, you know, yeah. A long shot. Oh. We were lucky that we didn't have to call in to find our jobs. They, as long as you answered the call, they were going to keep giving you work. You were the first yeah. one to call. And you look at that time period. The film industry was really doing well in Utah because besides the movies that we worked on, there was you know, a couple of different television shows. At one point, Touched by an Angel was like seven or eight years it was being filmed. Yeah let's talk about our notes because I've kind of put together the movies that I remember working on and let's see how many that we have in common. And now okay, first, did you find your headshot with your list of movies you'd done and stuff? I know where the headshot is, but I think I figured out more than what's actually on that, that headshot. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Because of certain actors, I was able to track down what that movie was because I remember an actor I go into Mm -hmm. IMDb. I go back to the time period of the late 1990s to the early 2000s. And I could figure out. Yeah. So, (laughs) the very first movie that I was an extra on, and I'd worked all night at the prison, and then I made like a 7 a.m. call time, and it Uh was in downtown Salt Lake City. And it was for a movie called The Runner in 1999. Oh, yeah. And Courtney Cox was in it. I saw Courtney Cox. A couple other pretty big names were in it. It was yeah. in a warehouse. John Goodman. Yeah. John Goodman. James Fader. Yeah. I did not see James John Woods. Goodman. James Woods. Huh? I saw John Goodman. Oh, you did? I saw John Goodman. Yeah.
0: I saw him. He, we did a scene downtown Salt Lake, and he actually came and ate with the extras because he said the, the extras got better food than they did. He was a nice guy. I mean, people were crowding
1: around him, and he was laughing and joking, and- just participating with everybody. What a cool experience that he got to actually come over and he sat down with you guys because you know, when you're, when you're working as an extra and let's talk about the food real quick, a lot of times on a bigger production, the extras (laughs) have their food and the talent and crew have their food. Yeah. And so if you're only like one of like five or 10 extras, a lot of times you'll eat with everybody else. If it's a hundred extras, I yeah. hope you're ready for yesterday's popcorn.
0: <laughs> the cattle call.
1: Oh, yes, so, yes. yeah.
0: So, yeah. So, example, when I did Baby Bedlam, it's a Disney movie. I was the only extra on this particular day. And I got to eat everything that the actors and the crew ate, which is a step up from what the extras used to get. <laughs> so, and, and, and I got my own trailer. I got my own trailer to sit in with a TV and everything. Now, when we did Luck of the Irish, there were over 500 extras there, right? They had two boxes of cookies and one great big got container of water and one great big got container of lemonade.
1: And that was it. That was it. That was
0: your refreshments, right?
1: Do you recall that? Did I work on Baby Bedlam? I don't have that on my list. No, no. Luck of the Irish. Oh, sorry, Luck, was of, the Irish. luck of the Irish. And I don't recall. I just remember there was a lot of extras, in, you know, basically yesterday's stale popcorn is what I remember. Yeah, that, that was our cattle call show. There, that was terrible. <laughs> you would think that Walt, Walt somewhere is rolling in his grave or his cryogenic chamber. <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the way that we were the way that we were treated on Luck of the Irish. <laughs> now, did you work on the the runner? I did. Okay, so you remember that one. That's mm-hmm. so cool. We started like at the same time, Dave. About like 1999, 1998, yeah, yeah. somewhere around there. While I was driving around trying to figure out how to break in the industry, you were already being approached by a, a huge casting director <laughs> in the Salt Lake region that has purple yeah. eyes. Yeah. Dave, I want you to come to my trailer later. <laughs> <laughs> ah okay Uh, (laughs) the memories what what a guy (laughs) what a character i you know and i really liked him it's just that because he had a christmas party that we were all invited to and -hmm. it was a black tie affair it was very high brow and Uh i had this tuxedo that i wore and i remember this particular high profile agent with purple eyes he only wore shorts even with a tuxedo he only wore shorts in the middle winter five below zero he is wearing shorts but you know i mean that's that's that star quality right there (laughs) it's really it's hard to hide that yeah i mean if we ever (laughs) reach that level
0: if i recall the the christmas party was a bus there was only like 10 people there right or well all at one time people were coming and going and for that
1: agent, the <laughs> important thing was is that Dave was there. That's what mattered. Y- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was there with my well, friend Nick. I never,
0: I never got the personal call like you did. You <laughs> to his office.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Moving <laughs> on. Touche. <laughs> Let's go on to the next one. So um absence of the good. Uh, did you work on that one?
0: I, d- I did a lot of spots on that one. My first day on it, I was a SWAT guy. It was out in Magna, Magna, Utah, uh-huh. in a trailer park. Probably hard to comprehend a trailer park in Magna, Utah. Uh, no, what?
1: <laughs> I didn't even know they had those out there. That's that's like Beverly Hills.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, I played a SWAT guy on that one. Do you remember Sam, the piano player, looked like Rucker Hauer? <laughs>
1: He I actually, do he, I do not. I do not. He
0: actually played Rutger Harris's double in uh, Partners in Crime. Oh, but okay. He he, bu- he busted the door down and I came over the top of him with my gun <laughs> into the into the room when we breached the trailer home looking for the bad guy. How many days did you work as an extra on Absence of the Good? I think I got 6 days on there. Oh, wow. Diff- cool. Different cool. locations. It was exciting. It was probably the most exciting one because like, I, like I said, I got to do different things on that one. It was like when I played the SWAT guy and breached mm-hmm. the trailer home, we had to have an officer train us on how to carry the gun, how to wear our uniforms properly, how we walk with a gun, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we went through that. And then I played a plainclothes detective in a couple of scenes. One, we rode with a stunt driver up wow. in the back of Memory Grove. We were coming up to the location high speed and did a power slide to the side. As we were coming to the stop, I opened the door and I jump out while we're still moving, you know, so it looked really cool. And then we chased the guy through Memory Grove. We got to interact with Stephen Baldwin here and there. And I actually, we were doing the martini scene on that martini scene is the, is the last shot of a the movie. Mm-hmm. They call it the martini. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Baldwin, we did the scene probably four times, five times, and had to keep starting over, starting over. And, and Stephen Baldwin had a meltdown, started bitching everybody out, yelling at everybody, Come on, people, you're professionals, dah, 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 dah. <laughs> let's get this done. So we do it one last time. And the scene was in the office of the police station, and there's a fence behind the desk where the, there's a greeter there. And then you got to walk through a, a metal detector to get into the rest of the office. And so they come out from behind the chain link fence through the metal detector to the lobby, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm supposed to go through the metal detector before they get there. I don't know if adrenaline's going or what, but those two come out of that office so quick and I was off step so I was behind. I ended up going through late and catching Stephen Baldwin's his foot hit my foot <laughs> and he kind of he kind of <laughs> tripped, right? And then I walked straight towards you. You were sitting at the desk, the first desk coming through the gate, if I recall, in this building. And I was looking at you, and and I just opened my eyes, and I thought, oh, my God, he's going to kill me. He's going to scream me right off of this set. But then he recovered from the trip, finished the scene, director said, cut, print it, and everything was good. The rest is
1: history. (laughs) Yeah. I remember us working on that movie, and I remember... There was an actor that I talked to, and I'm pretty sure we're talking about the same exact day because it was a day scene, right? That you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. And it was, yeah, and it was St. Patrick's Day, right? They had the parade going on outside. Oh, God. I don't remember that. You have a great memory, Dave. I don't remember that. (laughs) But I remember Alan Garfield was the lieutenant, and I talked to him for a few minutes, and he was just the coolest guy. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very nice guy. I met Stephen Baldwin because Katrine had actually introduced Stephen to me at some point because she was there on the set one of the days and um, he seemed like a nice enough guy. But when we filmed another scene at the Lakota restaurant, he got really pissed. It was an early morning shoot and he got real mad because the doors to outside were open. There was, it was so hot from all the lights and he started screaming at Toby, the assistant director about that. So he kind of was a hothead. So when you're yeah. talking about him getting mad, I, I even saw it too on a totally different day. They shut the whole set down one day because he had a big argument with the director. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was teasing him about, you know, oh, big deal. You directed Stallone and what was it? Robert Duvall and all these other guys. He was mentioning all these names and movies and stuff. And, dah, 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 dah. and Toby cleared the set, right? So everybody left. And then about 30 minutes later, everybody came back and, and we started working again. Wow. He was bitching about where the camera was set up and, and his profile coming into the room and all this stuff. And, <laughs> and he actually got a girl fired on, on the set, too, because he was romancing her in between scenes. Uh-oh. And I remember, I distinctly remember I was watching it. Now, do you remember Robert Nepper, the co-star? Yes, I do. He's had a great
1: career, but he was very nice too.
0: He was very good guy. I remember him looking at Stephen Baldwin. Stephen had this girl sitting on his lap in between his set, and Nepper was looking at him and kind of shook his head. And I looked over, and the director was waving to Toby, and Toby came over. Toby was such a great DA. Oh, awesome guy! He was incredible, and he's waving to to Toby and Toby comes over and talks to him and he's pointing over at Stephen Baldwin and Toby turns around. He goes over to another assistant director and that assistant director goes over to, to our casting agent. <laughs> and he comes over and grabs the girl and sends her home because mm-hmm. <laughs> she was a big distraction, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, she probably got paid. Didn't know because she was there. She probably got paid, I, but just, she oh, wrapped would early. So. Yeah. I yeah. don't think so funny stuff that happens on sets. Wow. That's so funny. Um Stranger than Fiction is a, a movie in mm-hmm. 2000 and we've got a great story from that but I know we filmed and you're, we're going to talk about this story cuz this is probably the best story we have. It was in downtown Salt Lake City and we were uh parked near the Sears in downtown right near the funeral home and we were actually the set was a bar right there on State Street, correct? It was the funeral home, but the funeral home was supposed to be the bar, the dance club. Maybe it was a different night I'm thinking of, that we were inside a bar right there, I thought, on State Street, where Adina Meyer, are we talking about the same night or different nights? Yeah, we're talking about a different night. I never did anything
0: inside. I was, okay. I was outside of Sears. It's the first night I met you. <laughs> okay. And it was the second job I did. I think it was like a week after absence. Okay. That's
1: stretched out like a month and a half or something. Yep. You know, we're at this night shoot, and that's the <laughs> other thing about extra work is like one time you might be like, you know, all day long, the next week you might be call time at midnight. <laughs> yeah. It, it sucks. <laughs> you know, it just sucks. It's not. If you really want to get your face in Hollywood and really do it, but there's nothing glamorous about extra work, to be honest with you. I mean, you talk about some of the highlights where, like, if you're only, like, two or three extras, they take really good care of you, but you, you never know. It's a gamble, and you don't yeah. know a lot of times until yeah. you get there. But and, um, and a lot of times you get there, and you don't even work. They don't even use you. Right. And you have to bring a suitcase. You have to have three changes of clothes. No whites, no reds, no blacks, no logos remember yeah that's what we were told so you're mm-hmm. hauling around this bag or this armful of clothes and then some wardrobe person is saying okay wear this wear <laughs> this and then an hour later okay change and wear this and there wear this because you're going to be in a different scene or the same scene walking in a different direction yeah but anyways we're, we're downtown Salt Lake City it's tight <laughs> It's it's pretty chilly out, if I remember correctly, and you and I are sitting in a car between takes together, and we met this nice young girl that was in the car facing us. We were bumper to bumper facing this other girl, and this other girl had met this guy that Uh she's socializing with, right? There were six
0: of us that night. There was three guys, three girls, and those two had hooked up and were in the car when me and you were sitting there talking in the car in front of them. Yeah.
1: And so Dave and I, you know, have very similar personalities. We, we like to fuck with people. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised Dave that you became a prison guard like me, but it's- You know, but the thing is, is also, you're also a totally, I think I'm pretty sure I've told this story either at my job or on the podcast. But at one point you worked for RC Willie and you had done like collections where you go collect furniture that people haven't, haven't paid for. And you had gone to go pick up a bunk bed from this woman that was a single mom. And you went and you went to go collect it. You saw the situation and you went back to work. You paid off the bunk bed and you quit. Yeah. You couldn't do it. And that just shows the yeah. gold that you have. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was one of my finer moments, I guess. Yeah. And no, I mean, have things changed? Are you a serial murderer now? Or are you still that nice guy? No, I still, well, I try to be that nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> you <know? laughs> You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> of course I'm a nice guy. <laughs> The thing is, is if you get to know Dave, he's seriously just a very sincere, genuine guy. And Mm -hmm. besides the fact that he's also a prankster like me. And that's why we really connected (laughs) on this set. And we're sitting in this car. Here's this girl flirting with this guy. This guy was, I think, more into her than she was into him. Very much so. So we're sitting there, and she keeps looking at us, and we're laughing, and we're watching them. And you could tell that she feels, like, kind of awkward because she's being watched. Yeah, and
0: she's not sure of the
1: the guy that she's sitting with there. Yeah, she doesn't know him, and now she's sitting in his car with the guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the worst that could happen, though? (laughs) Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, the worst that could probably happen would be Dave holds up a sign on a piece of cardboard that says... (laughs) He's got a gun, <laughs> and she looks over. He's looking at her. Okay, so you know they're facing each other. <laughs> Imagine they're facing each other, and then she keeps glancing over at us. He never looks at us. Like fuck those guys. They're gonna be my- yeah. These guys are gonna be a cock block. You know I'm gonna do this <laughs> yeah. girl. And then so she glances over, and Dave's holding up this uh, cardboard sign. Man. He's got a gun. And then she reads it, and then Dave pulls it down out of sight again. The guy looks over, and she looks at him like, what the fuck? And now she's wondering, like, is this guy really got a gun? Oh, wow. (laughs) And that was fantastic. And I had forgotten that story, but you told me that. And I'm like, oh, my God, how could I forget that? That was amazing. That was a fun night. And you had said to me, you're like, at the time, you'd even said, I don't know if I should really have done that because this guy's a corrections officer and (laughs) (laughs) corrections officer are the epitome of (laughs) professionals. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: I wonder if that was a bad thing to do in front of a law enforcement guy.
1: Oh, I loved it. I was mad that I didn't think of it. Yeah, I know. That was a good time oh that was great that was great so um i don't know how we we went pretty late didn't we go to like four in the morning or something before we were released yeah that was a long night one of my favorite things about doing the extra work was
0: seeing how they actually made the the movies Uh ah and that's the first set that i was on where they had a trolley set up for the camera and i think it was mike lipping that was the cameraman it was either that bobby brady yeah bobby brady Mm -hmm. and. So they had the camera mounted there, and he's kind of straddling it like a
1: motorcycle, and it rolls back as they're doing the walking scene through the parking lot. It yeah. was pretty cool to see. A lot of people don't know this, but Bobby Brady, is uh, he lives in Utah, and he is now behind the camera. He's the camera guy. And so I saw him a couple of times on different things, and, and I had met him yeah. at one point, and he's a nice enough guy. Kept to himself. Yeah, he 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 kind of did. Um, Since we're talking about the year 2000, because that's when Stranger in Fiction uh, came out, Partners in Crime. Did you work on that? Ruckerhower. Yes. Rutger Hare, Paulina Porofovich. She was married to Rico Kasich of the Cars. Yeah. I don't know what scenes you were in, but I was out mm-hmm. at the Salt Lake Airport, the international part of the airport. Oh, yeah, I didn't do that one. That was kind of cool because in extra work, you know, you know, you're walking through a scene one way, you're walking through a scene that way. But if you can get a prominent featured extra role, which is usually a little more money, mm-hmm. nothing crazy, nothing to retire on, like maybe mm-hmm. 125 <laughs> bucks, 150 bucks. Once you're established and people are going to see you, then you're done. Because they're not going to use you again. They don't want people to notice you in the movie. So Uh I was used at the airport coming down the escalator in front of Paulina Poroskova. Rudger Hauer is at the bottom of the escalator. And so he thinks that me and this other guy are the FBI agents, but she's behind us. So we come down the escalator, we split, and it's Paulina Poroskova. So here is the reveal. That Rudger Hauer, who's sexist and thinking that it's going to be this male figure that's the FBI agent, and it's actually Polina <laughs> Poroskova, his ex-wife, his ex-wife, yeah, in oh, the show. Oh, I oh, really, I don't, I didn't even know that. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, she was supposed to be his ex-wife, I believe, if I remember right. I remember watching it and I thought, man, this is a pretty shitty movie. That was the movie that I had my first
0: feature in, and. They cut it out, but I had injured myself. I had injured myself in the scene. So let me start at the beginning. (laughs) So we were up in Kanab, Utah. Okay. Okay. It's about 1030 at night, five degrees outside. It's the last scene. And all it was, was a scene. So I was a specialty guy that was going to bust, drill open the trunk, pop the trunk. And then me and a couple other detectives are looking inside the trunk at a dead body. That was our scene, right? Mm -hmm. I've got rubber gloves on. The camera's mounted on the trunk of the car right down at me, right? So I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to be all over this thing. (laughs) So I have to change the drill bit and then drill. They put a piece of two by four up against the back of the trunk so it looked like I was drilling into the lock of the trunk. Okay. So I change the drill bit. I drill into the trunk and then I pop it. When I change the drill bit, My rubber gloves ripped and wrapped around the drill bit. Oh, shit. And and it ripped open the back of my finger. The drill bit did. (laughs) What are the odds? So so I'm bleeding. I mean, if you've ever tried to change a drill bit with rubber gloves on, you actually hold the bit in place while you're tightening up the chuck, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's going to
0: happen. And it tore that glove open and tore the back of my finger open. And the place went crazy. This was our last scene. It's almost midnight, five degrees outside. Everybody's freaking out. So I says, "I says, just give me a rubber band. I'll put it around. Give me another pair of gloves. We'll do it again. Wrecker Howard comes up and puts his coat on me. Great big coat. And he's waving to the medics guys to come over. This is when everybody's fussing around me. They come over and then I told them, give me a rubber band real quick. We'll, we'll just stop it and I'll put it, I'll hide it with another rubber glove and we'll, we'll redo it. So I kind of hooked it together without touching the drill bit and then did the scene. And then we all stood up and popped the trunk and they, they panned us while we were looking at the dead body in the trunk.
1: And it was cut. Oh, <laughs> damn it.
0: All my feature shots that I ever did was cut. They used my band. Couple times. Really? And both those were cut. Yeah. And Nobody's baby. They used my band. Oh shit. In the scene. What was the other one? Oh, when I when I was the single police officer in Baby Bedlam. I was there all day long. I ate really good. <laughs> <laughs> Got my had my own trailer, air conditioning. Yeah. And they actually made me a feature. The A D came in to check out my look. You know, the costume guy comes and gets you. Fit you for the outfit. Uh, he handed me a dummy block gun to put in my holster. It was just plastic handle, really, that slid into the holster. Then I went back to the trailer, and then the AD came to look me over. And he says, would you mind if we gave you a haircut? And he says, well, I don't know. He says, I'll give you an extra 50 bucks. Okay. <laughs> soul. So they gave me a flat top, and then they ran out of time on their day. And that night, Elizabeth called me up and said, they're going to just cut that whole scene. So they don't need you tomorrow. I got the
1: money. That's never done the scene. That's what matters. How Um, many features did you do? You know, I'd have to look at the actual resume. The television, I got more television shows than I got feature films, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I'd have to. How many speaking roles did you get? I got a few because I got a touch by an angel. Covering well, the USA Network, uh, that you were working Mormon the casting commercial. couch too, if I remember right. <laughs> <laughs> I I assert my Fifth Amendment. Purpose. Dave, we're so ready for you on the set <laughs> and the couch. <laughs> so, so you did a few. You did a few talking bits then. I did. I did once. I, once I was done with the extra work, and then I started getting you know, these, these other parts. And, you know, back then it was like 800 bucks for eight hours. If you get a speaking part and that commercial I did for that, that one Mormon commercial, that was a one, one time buyout of a thousand bucks. Wow. So at that point, it's like, would you like to do some extra work for $72 and 50 cents with old stale popcorn (laughs) and flat soda? No, thanks. You were done with that. Yeah. I just, I mean, it kind of like it was a stepping stone and it was fun, and it was just one thing that we haven't talked about. Let's—I'm going to finish this list, and then we got to talk about some of the other characters that we worked with. That relates back to strictly background. The documentary is we worked mm-hmm. with those people. We we know those personalities, yeah. You know, and they're trying to get—they're yeah. trying to you know get their way in front of the camera. They're trying to sneak a little FaceTime for the camera. But, oh uh, yeah, that's so funny. Oh, they really live for it, and then they and the documentary. You know that that one guy's walking through the video store, and he's like, "Oh, my ankle was in this, and you can see the top of my head and this, and you know my yeah. back and this." And I'm <laughs> like, "God, I I hope I never become that guy." <laughs> you know, God bless him. Um, okay, primary suspect uh, two thousand. I think yes, you, you already mentioned that one. They they no okay. They were originally going to call it Box, right? yes because his character's name was box right um and that's had um another baldwin in it and that would be uh william baldwin and he played the part of christian box i only remember one particular scene that i was in on this and it was up in the avenues of salt lake it was nighttime it was like a party Uh in this big elaborate house and i think that when i watched the movie i could see myself Walking down the street with two girls on my arms. Yeah. Yeah. Anything happens in the movie. How how real did that look? Um, I think I pulled it off. I'm like, hey girl. Ever. (laughs) Ever the professional. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, bitch. Come on, let's go to the party, bitch. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So
0: (laughs) my experience on box was again. Another Baldwin freaking out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I heard he. This the, one was yeah. worse.
0: Yeah, and it was because he didn't have bottled water to shave with. This is what oh, they were saying. Yeah. This is what the ads were saying when when they shut down that side of the the lot. You know, uh-huh. everybody go back to the room. What I was saying before about how they go into how interesting the productions are and the sets themselves, just to tell you how. Detail they get when you got a police office and you got the desks and you got files and you got papers, and you can't imagine the work it goes into building that. Mm-hmm. They had files. I saw a rap sheet, mugshots, and a friend of mine was on one of the mugshots. They were real mugshots from the department. <laughs> right. This was part of the details they had in that just goes to show you. I, I just remember they used to. You know, the set people used to take pictures of everything, pictures and pictures and pictures, so that if they ever had to rebuild, they had a reference to go to, you know, to make sure it was exactly the same. That's it, crazy. It just blows my mind how detailed they get. Why they get so detailed? They go and get actual mug shots to place on a desk. Uh, yeah, that's not <laughs> That's not Crazy, right? I did an office scene there, and I did a... Another thing real quick, Lee Majors came walking down. The holding unit was downstairs of where they were filming the office scenes. And there was probably 30 of us down there. The occupancy was probably supposed to be 12. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But we were all downstairs there. Lee Majors came walking downstairs, right? And he he walks down and he looks around and I'm looking at everybody. And people are kind of just glancing at him and everything. And I thought, what the fuck? This is the bionic man. <laughs> no, why is nobody saying hi to him. He makes eye contact with one guy and waves at him and turns around and walks back up the stairs. I thought, holy shit, this guy was such a big deal back in the day. You know? He was right? the fall guy, the bionic man, big valley days. And it was like he came downstairs and looked around a little bit, see if anybody had said anything to him, and just turned around and went back upstairs. I felt really bad for
1: him. He was hoping to go down there and somebody would, you know, start doing that. I, it, that's what
0: I felt like was going on. You
1: know? and, and that way he could walk back Maybe upstairs somebody, and say,
0: "Stay, I still got it. It makes you wonder sometimes. I, I know some of these actors, they're like, when they start out, they love the attention. And then later on, they, they hate the attention. And then when they're on their way out, they want that attention back. <laughs>
1: It's It's sad though. It's really sad. Yeah. Because, you know, you start to, you realize your shelf life is kind of run its course, your fame. And now it's like, uh, the older generation might remember you, but the new generation, you're just some old man. I don't know who you are. Yeah. Don't you know who I am? I'm the bionic man. (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of sad but that's that's the double-edged sword of fame like yeah you know you'll be known and everybody knows you but then you know at some point you got on the street and then you're like you're looking for recognition and it's like uh, i don't Mm. know who you are man i'm sorry he was married to farrah fawcett you Mm. know Mm. before ryan o'neill but you know you go and you stop some 15 year old kid or 18 year old kid right now and say do you know who farrah fawcett is who oh yeah yeah you know, do they have their own Instagram? Do they have their own TikTok? Yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And then you show her a show them a picture. It's like, oh, my God. How old is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get out of here, you fucker. <laughs> Beat it, kid. Okay, so we're jumping into yeah. 2001, Dave. The movie that you've already talked about, Lucky the Irish. Yeah. At the Catholic high school down there in Draper, Utah. Disney. Yeah. Hey, well, when was Nobody's Baby? Um, two thousand and one as well. Same time period. Same year. Oh, okay. okay. Um, which one do you want to talk about first? Well, Leck was
0: my last movie. I think I did. Okay. And nobody's baby. I saw you in the intro on that thing, right?
1: Yeah, I and mean, the, the sound of the show. man working on the chain <laughs> gang. Would you, would, you, would you guys actually sing in that? I don't remember. I really don't remember. <laughs> I, I, we were out in Clinton, Utah, like out on this farm and it was like a, it was like a crane shot and the the crane drops down as all of us. And I remember that there was a tent that we were in and it was like in the fall, I think as our, if I remember correctly, yeah, it was the fall. I was in that scene and then I was in a scene down in Utah County at a church but I ended up not getting used at the church, but it had a, uh, and I saw Gary Oldman and Skeet Ulrich throwing around mm-hmm. a football at, uh, at the church.
0: <laughs> well, I, I was watching, I was actually watching that movie this morning and when they're panning at the intro, they pan by the guard standing on the bridge there and the first, person you see is you when they get down to the prisoners
1: you know here you got a real <laughs> prison guard who's playing the inmate and then you have yeah. some, <laughs> some some muscle-bound dude who's the prison guard yeah with the shotgun oh <laughs> uh, that was funny yeah it, the irony there it's crazy but um but
0: they used my band in that one it's it's one of the ones i told you they used the band but they didn't they cut it out and and i had to scramble to put the band together to get some of the guys i played with because i wasn't with a band at the time so i was calling up people from my old bands and then i finally just grabbed a girl i knew to play the keyboard player and put them all together and and we didn't have a correct piano stand we had a electric piano but not a correct stand for it so we kind of built one out of sawhorses. <laughs> i mean it was a country bar right so we put some hay bales down and stuff and i had all this stuff to to make it look professional like a real band would play and then We did the scenes. We did the scenes over and over, but they were all shot at the bar. So there was never anything that the camera never went our way. You know, that's how they would do a movie. They'd they'd make it like everything's going on, and if the camera faces you, it doesn't. Whatever. Yep. That was one of three auditions that I went on to do a speaking role, and I auditioned for the bartender that answered Skeet Ulrich's phone call to Gary Oldman. Got called back. Jeff Johnson. Uh-huh. It was, I think it was his first solo casting job and he called me back and we went over it again. They had me say some different lines and then he said, good, great, Dave. He said, "He says, I'll, I'll be in touch. And then he called me that night and said, Dave, sorry to tell you, they decided the director's given the part to his daughter's boyfriend. Lost out
1: on that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. That sounds like it would have been close if there hadn't been the family relationship. <laughs> that would have been fun. <clears throat> oh, that sucks. I hate that story. During when the band
0: was doing their parts in between takes, Gary Oldman came up to me and wanted to check out my guitar. I got a Fender. It's called an acoustic Strat Acoustic. So it mm-hmm. looks like the Fender Strat electric guitar, but it's an acoustic guitar, and it's the first year they made it. And he walked up to me and he looks at it and he says, is that an acoustic guitar? It looks just like a Strat. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's the first year they made them, Strat acoustic." He says, can I play it? I said, sure. So I give it to him. He puts it on. He starts playing a little bit. This is in between takes, you know, and he takes it off. He says, that's a nice guitar. I'm going to have to get one of those. And I was, if I was thinking at the time I'd have asked him to sign the thing. Oh, he would have loved it. I'm sure he would have done but it. Absolutely. The fact that he was talking to me just blasted me out of the water. You know, that's I mean, cool. He was, he was nicer than hell, cordial as hell. And I didn't take advantage of the situation.
1: Ah, uh, <laughs> hindsight's 2020. Okay. So now we're talking about <laughs> Luck of the Irish. Yep. Luck of the Irish, uh, Catholic high school down in Draper, Utah. Yep. And Juan uh, Diego. Yes. And it was a Juan brand Diego new school. school. And so, um, before we actually shot that that intro scene with the opening credits with the native american dancer on the stage you know once i got shot in that then i was done because it uh they had my face in in the picture and so uh clearly the picture but i was also a coach and we'd worked together when i was a coach right we were both stan's assistant coaches remember stan yeah the comcast commercials yep (laughs) and um we got we got a couple days on that movie i think were you at lagoon amusement park because i was on that fucking ride and that was also (laughs) the fall and i was getting sick dave because it was like cold up there on that ride and they kept running it and kept oh shit oh my (laughs) god i was turning green oh that's funny no, That's not funny. funny.
0: You're on a you're on a ride, and they just kept going. Yeah. Okay. Cut thirty-seven.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Thirty-eight. Going so again. Back to one. Not <laughs> oh you up there on the ride. Just sit right where you're at. Oh,
0: uh, did you eat a bunch of cotton candy and stuff before you got on there? Or? No,
1: I didn't eat them. <laughs> still sick. That was that oh was not God. cool. But you can see me not on the ride, but like in the crowd scene. And I think I was gr- wearing a green shirt, but my face matched my shirt after getting off that ride. I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. That was terrible. So my last film that I did was 2002, and it was Just a Dream. Danny Glover was the director oh, of Just a Dream. And that was really? filmed in Magna, Utah. And I do somewhere have a picture of myself with Danny Glover because I got up the nerve. I was with Tony Kishlish. I dragged him along and I did have the guts to stop him and ask him if we'd get a picture with him. And I had uh-huh. a disposable camera because I knew he was going to be the director. So I knew he'd be there. And it was right near the, uh, the assisted living facility that was there, um, right near the old part of Magna. He was a nice enough guy. He seemed kind of distracted. And I remember I was having to wear a police uniform. And because it was like a specialty uniform, I have to wear whatever they've got, and of course it's like a boy size medium. So I look, <laughs> I look fucking ridiculous in it. <laughs> and I'm there with Danny Glover. <laughs> so, oh, uh, but it, it, I think there was like two or three days, and they were long yeah. days, and it was so boring. But you know, at that point, I was done. I'm like, you know what? I've given this this opportunity for Hollywood to, to, to experience it and have fun yeah. with it. And God bless yeah. the people in that documentary. Um, they uh, yeah. have done it for years and years and years. I don't know how they do it.
0: Yeah. I don't know how they, how they could afford it, especially in California there. I mean, how many thousands of people are buying for a job that only needs 10 extras.
1: You yeah. Know? Because they, they, everybody goes out to, to LA to become an actor. They want to break into the business <laughs> and it's insane. Huh. But, and I always tell people, it's like, try it on a regional level. You know, I don't care if you live like in Dallas, Texas, Omaha, Nebraska, Orlando, Florida, try it there. Find your, your film commission for that state. Learn about who the the legitimate agents are and start Mm -hmm. doing extra work if you really want to get a taste of it. But, you know, start there at the bottom and start to work your way up and get a taste to see if it's something you really want to do. Yeah. Yeah, now that I'm I'm semi-retired,
0: I'm I'm I've been looking into it in Vegas. Okay. And so, St. George is 40 miles away from me. Mm-hmm. So, I still got, you know, the Utah Film Commercial Commission, and then I've been looking into Vegas for to do some extra work now that I have time during mm-hmm. the day, you know. When you need to pay bills, pursuing a career as an extra is not probably not the way to go.
1: No, I mean, the one and guy look- The one guy in that documentary that I had the most respect for was the guy that raised his children, waited until his children were independent, left home. And then that's what he always wanted to do. And he ended up in Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. That guy was really smart. He doesn't need to do it. He does it for fun. That's really. And it worked out for us. I mean, it worked out for me and you because you work nights. Yeah. And the majority of the shoots were
0: during the day. So you Mm -hmm. can, you know, take a nap if you needed to or whatever on set. I was laid off for the winter when I started. Because I was working construction. Yeah, yeah. So that's crazy. So, so it worked out for the positions that we were in, but I mean, a lot of people, it, especially in in California, I would imagine, in the big states where they do the, the filming, and New York and places like that, that there'd just be thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are trying to get parts. Oh God! What was the term
1: they used? When they were just trying to walk on a set and get a job was it a spec you drive around looking for the 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 trucks and the vehicles recognizing that there's a filming going on and then walking up yeah i forgot the term that they use in that documentary but there was a term that they used that basically you just walk up and say hey do you need any extras and i don't think i could ever
0: yeah you check in on the set and then the one guy rode his bike to the bus stop took the bus somewhere and then rode his bike the rest of the way to the chute and then was turned down (laughs) they didn't like his wardrobe
1: options or something right yeah
0: well that's that's so
1: sad so sad he (laughs) went planes trains and automobiles he takes like takes him forever (laughs) to get there and they're like yeah we can't you uh, you know we don't like your sneakers (laughs) go home horrible horrible (laughs) but that's how you're treated if you're on a major, major movie with a million extras, they put you in some location. You talked about a basement. I've been in tents and uh, garages, uh, whatever the case may be. They're like, where are we going to put the extras? I don't know. Let's uh, put (laughs) them in the back of a pickup truck. I don't know. I mean, you have as much value as a prop. Actually, a prop (laughs) has value. They just don't have a lot of respect for you. Yeah. We've met a lot of different characters that really, really loved being on a movie set. Mm-hmm. Again, back to this documentary, you meet some of the people in that movie and you're like, oh man, I've met that dude, you know, I've met the guy that ended up having to live in that storage unit. I've met the guy that really is into martial arts and you know, takes like three buses, an airplane and a, a train yeah. to get to a I movie mean- set. And the ones that end up being roommates, and yeah, to help with the bills, and they're all, actually they're on the set, then they have to go back to the extras holding area, and they come out like, "Oh man, I was right next to the camera. I'm pretty sure it got my <laughs> shoulder." <laughs> and they're really excited. That reminds me of the, <laughs> some of the people that we worked with that
0: would lean into a shot. To, yeah,
1: <laughs> they could get seen. Yes. Lean into a shot. Um, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Do,
0: do you, I was. I've been trying to think of his name. He directed and produced his own scene in every scene that he was on as an extra. <laughs> so who is that? I can't remember his name. Dark-haired guy. I can't remember the movie. We did. We did a movie where um, we were in a elegant bar type setting, and I I walked up to my date that was sitting in a booth. And he was in the booth next to us, but he was going on like they were having an argument. And he told her this before they started. He said, we're going to have an argument. OK, I'm going to throw my arms up in the air. I'm going to point at you and point at you and you just and you deny everything. But you can't say anything, right? You can't make any noise. You can't say anything. So <laughs> when I walk into the booth and I sit down, I'm facing them. I'm watching him (laughs) waving his arms around like he's screaming at her. And he stands up and he pulls his tie and he points at her. And he's like pointing down on the table and screaming at her, screaming at her, not making a sound.
1: (laughs) The director had to move him. Yeah, (laughs) because he was too animated. Yeah. He was stealing the (laughs) scene. When I was on Just a Dream, Tony was getting so mad at this one lady that used to work with Elizabeth. Because she kept trying to push her way in front of Tony so she could get more face time with the camera. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she would do her pantomime, but you could tell she wasn't like really wording anything. She wasn't like actually wording out a conversation. She was going, I mean, if you put words to what her mouth, was doing, <laughs> like if you if you put words to what her mouth was doing, she was basically going, That's Odie goes, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with this lady because all she's wording is she's like Beaker from the Muppets. (laughs) And he was like, Dumb bitch. He tried to get towards the camera. And I'm like, but that's what extras do. They want to be able to go to the movie and like tell their friends and their family, like, look, there I am. That's me. Oh, Holy oh, that's shit so that is funny. you What are you saying because I can read lips <laughs> Oh that's so funny.
0: <laughs> hey, when you were doing extra work did was you did you play one more one character more than others? I always played a cop for some reason. It was a SWAT guy or a detective or a police officer.
1: It's just some tall goofy guy you know I was I was cast <laughs> as like a police officer or detective. Once I started going for actual speaking parts, like, mm-hmm. Jeff Johnson would only see me for, like, FBI agent, police officer, security guard, government uh. official. He basically typecast me. He could never see me as. That's yeah. the look you have. Well, and he knew that I actually worked at the prison. So it's like, and I understand it's, it's you're acting on a regional level. You're not going to get a lead role in a movie in Salt Lake City. For the most part, you know, they're going to get their leads out of New York or L.A., mm-hmm. you know, and all the supporting cast. And that's going to be police lieutenant, FBI agent, and all these other supporting roles are going to be cl- cast locally. You know, taxi cab driver. Why couldn't I have done that? Bartender or transvestite prostitute. I would have loved to have been playing mm. these parts, you know. Well, typecast is an extra. I know. Is is a, <laughs> Trans- a cop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sucks. Sucks. I just, when I did The Basketball Coach, that was different. That was a big deal for me because, you know, it wasn't a cop. Every sh- movie that I did, I was a cop in, except the two where they used my band and then the one where I was the basketball coach.
1: Well, Dave, I think that wraps up our conversation as we talk about uh, working as extras. Uh, did you have a good time? Did you enjoy the podcast? I did brings back a lot of memories huh oh wow good times it's been very good are you going to come back if i can get uh if i can find our old agent with his purple contacts (laughs) sorry purple eyes sorry you do that absolutely if you do you come back on i want to see hear about his version (laughs) of how you guys (laughs) met because i'll be willing to bet his version to be like dave came crawling (laughs) to me i want to know if that's what comes out of his mouth that's well as i end this podcast i'm going to tell everybody the same thing i tell them every week and that is to be good and if you can't be good be good at it and if you're sitting in prison you're not good at it good night everybody